Yes, hello and welcome to For and Against, where we look at the big issues in sport off the field of play, and uh, as our little logo says, where we take sport seriously, sometimes. Uh, it is Paul Roach with you here once again, and it's a big welcome to some very good friends and some colleagues in Simon Johnson. G'day, Jono. G'day, Roachie. Great to be here. And Stephen Riley, welcome to you from Melbourne. G'day, Paul. Hey, Simon. Hi, everyone. Whoa, that was a bit of a low key. Very serious, yeah, wasn't it? Was. Yeah. And Stephen Riley from the sporting capital of the world. No, I'm sorry, fellas. I've got, oh, I've got some very serious, I'm in a serious frame of mind tonight, serious. today, this morning, wow. depending on when you're listening, I'm in a very serious frame of mind. I've got some things to say and I won't be just sidelined by your frivolity. No flippancy. <laughs> Jeez. All right. It's holiday season. Come on. We had Christmas. If you've downloaded this a bit late, you might have had New Year's as well. We're in the holiday spirit, John, aren't we? We are, yeah. yeah. Silly season. And listen, there's another reason to be excited. Gentlemen, raise your bats. We brought up our 50. 50? (gasps) 50 shows here on the Diamantina Network. Well played, gentlemen. That is. It's worth saluting the fans for that one, I think. And look at this rate. We'll overtake our previous high score of 77 over at the, uh, the National Broadcaster under the guise of more than just a game. Bring it on. I think if we complete... 2024 and at a regular pace, we'll uh, we'll we'll, we'll race, get our high score. Race the ton, maybe early 25. Yeah, yeah 50 okay. shows. The Diamond Turner Media Network. There you go. Hope oh, you've enjoyed take, it just as much as we, folks. Let's take guard and uh, you know pretend it's the first ball over, all over again. Yeah, good call. Neil all. We need to go on with it. Uh, moving on and ahead in the show, the ups and downs of Australian netball, the falling out, the making up, and the walking out. Also, streaming makes further inroads into sports coverage. And the changing popularity of sports across the demographics. And also maybe some tennis, if we have some time. Uh, Naturally, we'll be wrapping it all up with Red Card, Yellow Card, where we poke fun at sporting people who've done something silly off the field of play. And uh, we shine the spotlight back on that bad behaviour. Now, Red Card, Yellow Card, RCYC. Use the hashtag RCYC on your favourite social media when you see something that might be befitting, worthy of inclusion in the Red Card, Yellow Card segment. Get yourself involved. On Twitter, you can find us at for and against. On Insta, we're at for dot and dot against. And just for giggles, I like to remind people we do have a, a hotmail address. Still waiting. For and against at hotmail. Come on, someone send us an email. You say it's for giggles, but it, it, honestly, you still use it. You're the only one. <laughs> Isn't that part of the two factor authentication to, to get into our Google Docs? It's a good point. Yeah, every time you probably get an email that way. Every time you get a new iPad, John, we got a, mm. Yeah, it's, it has its uses. Wow, let's get on with the show. Netball, yes, netball. So plenty of raw nerves were on display at the 2023 Netball Australia Awards Night late in November. The sticking point being the then still unresolved pay dispute, a.k.a. a CPA. They don't call it a CBA, netball, it's a CPA. Is it? Yeah. I'm not a CBA. Yeah, me too. But I think it's good. So CPA collective... Players, players, uh, arrangement of something. Award. Confused myself. Yeah, exactly. It's an awards night. Agreement. Agreement. Thank you, Stephen. I knew I was wrong. But it it sort of removes that confusion of talk of of CBAs because I think of the bank when I hear Mm. CBAs. Um, CBAs, I think of accountants. Well, you know. Gosh, I hadn't thought of that. Come on. You can't (laughs) win, can you? (laughs) Now we can't get it out of his head. (laughs) It's bloody finance people. You're getting the road of sport too much. Uh, Yeah, so the then yet unresolved uh, dispute. Uh, about the CPA uh, was yet to, yeah, yet to be finalised. I was sort of repeating myself. Now, many chose to boycott the night, though the Diamonds were told that they were contractually required to front up. Interesting component of a 
players contract, I thought they'd join Yeah, so that was the what the national team national were team told the they had to show up, whereas show up. if you were just a franchise player, you could come see, come saw, choose not to. Because I think the Diamonds are not going. And yep. head office said, yeah, you are. See this line here? Now, um, that didn't stop many of the Diamonds, though, when they got handed the mic throughout the night to start by, it's, it's almost like an acknowledgement of country, to start by saying they stood in solidarity with those absent, you know, mm. with their, their, their players. So it was messy, messy stuff. And, and this is what, in circumstances where for eight weeks, if you weren't a national player, you weren't getting paid, I think. Correct, at the time. And indeed, it dragged out for another few weeks uh, afterwards because we were about to, spoiler alert here, they did actually finally come up with a, a, an agreement. So yeah, messy stuff, grievances spilling over to the sports, night of nights. And I mean, have we seen anything like that before in any other major sport in this country? I mean, that it was pretty an extreme kind of situation where the players wanted to boycott the night of nights, some did, and those that weren't able to made public comments in solidarity with their players. I don't think so. I mean, I've certainly seen scandal and misbehaviour at awards nights because it's usually alcohol-related, isn't it? It's a very different kettle of fish. Steve-O, I mean, I I cannot think of a parallel, even anything vaguely like what we saw in Nipple in the last couple of months. Look, I'm trying to go back to the cricket strike, what, five or six years ago, and I'm trying to think if they turned up to the awards there. But, I mean, nothing like this. Look, it, netball is, um, this is, this is not a recent phenomenon. You know, it was funny. I was doing a, a little bit of uh, research for this article, for this, this piece, and I, I saw that uh, a piece saying that uh, Netball Australia now finds itself in deep financial trouble. Yeah, that was from a year and a half ago. You know, it's this. This has been a long time coming. They've, you know, made I think some. Let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They've made some unfortunate decisions, and then trying to make good on it. They've almost like a gambler at the casino trying to bet their way out of a hole, and they they just have made it worse and worse and worse. And the part I don't understand is how they could possibly have thought getting the players offside would help them. It's mm. just. A, just a horrible error. So maybe, and Stephen, you're often a big fan of sporting administrators. Maybe this has uh, set the reset the bar just a little bit lower than anything else we've seen before, just to put the knife in. Oh, I mean, let's be clear. You know, it's, they're going to have to be you know screwed up for another few years to get down to rugby union levels. But <laughs> but it's uh, it's a very good effort. Well, I mean, you say that, but it's worth sort of going through some of the 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 hurdles that netball has, well, the dramas that netball has gone through in the last you know only year or two. So. No sooner had word of the, that CPA being agreed on, and perhaps we'll come back to the detail of what was agreed, uh, no sooner had that word sort of seeped out that Nepal Australia's CEO, Kelly Ryan, fell on her sword, and it was effective immediately. So it was only, I mean, it hadn't been a formally approved, but it has, you know, within 24 hours it was. So just she presided over the loss of $15 million uh, of Hancock prospecting sponsorship. Also, the very recent loss, by which I mean I think it was early December, of $17 million in government money after failing to convince the government they had a quote-unquote sufficiently robust plan to use it. They were given $30 million, I think, under the previous federal government. They'd got through a bit of it, but there were $17 left to go, and they said the government said, no, nah, we'll have that back. Uh, there was, of course, the tumultuous CPA saga that we've talked about. And then, of course, there was also the flogging off of the grand final very late in the season to the highest bidder, which caused all sorts of angst and drama now after, of course, the obligatory consulting period, which was, in fact, just the obligatory pretending to consult period. So there was there was quite a lot of, you know, I don't know, nasty, oh, unpleasant yeah. incidents on the on the road there that under Kelly's, Kelly's tenure. Well, this is true. And don't forget perhaps the canary in the coal mine or the magpie in the coal mine. 
which was <laughs> yes. losing the Collingwood netball team, yeah. which, you know, Collingwood were very um, plain spoken at the time saying that there were issues with Netball Australia's financials and they, they couldn't risk hanging around. I like the quote from um, the sports minister, Anika Wells. She said, you know, netball is too important for it not to be successful. And when you look at it, it's probably the largest participation sport amongst females in Australia. Absolutely. Um, you know, so many of our you know, young girls will, will grow up playing netball. You've got the pathways there, and yet for whatever reason, it just hasn't been a success. And it's also a much more increasingly competitive landscape when it comes to female sport. You look at how well, as we talked on the last show, how well the Matildas are going, various other sports as well are really picking up their game. So it's potentially not a surprise that um, in that sort of a competitive environment, they have been struggling. I wonder whether, and this is just talking as I think here, I wonder whether there's something in the fact that nipple's always been the, that number one female participation sport. And, and whereas in the last you know, few years and certainly decade, we've seen the rise of women's cricket coming from basically nothing, women's AFL coming from basically nothing, women's rugby league coming from you know, more or less nothing, the women doing well in rugby sevens, you know, which, which wasn't there 10 years ago. So I wonder whether maybe there were some assumptions on the part of netball administrators over the journey that netball's place was locked in as the primary thing to watch when it came to watching women's sports, with the exception, I suppose, of tennis. I mean, that's always that's been in the limelight for quite some time. Maybe golf, steve Well, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a, a huge factor, but but it's interesting to me. Uh, there's just uh, a sense in the coverage that that they rested on their laurels and assumed that they could get that money just by turning up that the, mm. the Australian Sports Commission held back 18 million bucks from the the highest participation female sport while female sport is on an absolute unprecedented high mm. um, you, you could be right that it went to others but that was never said it was never said it was spread it was said that they couldn't trust the money going to Nepal I think it did was diverted to other female sports programs. Um, I did read that somewhere. I don't. Know, I, I don't have more specific information than that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, but it was it was taken away from netball. I mean, that's that's the glaring that's the glaring point to be made here. So, irrespective of where it went, you got a national sport. One of the one of the co-amps sports. You know, the coalition of major participation sports. I think it is. Um, you know, one of the top seven kind of thing, and they can't convince the government that they've got they've got a plan to to get out of the situation they're in. I think they're in about four million bucks worth of debt, so yeah, they're in an interesting spot. I hope they succeed. I hope they get out of it. I hope they become a successful sport. I hope they, you know, reap the benefits of of all the other uh, sports where women have come through and have got publicity and getting sixty thousand people going to games and so on and so forth. But um, Time shall, time shall, uh, we shall see. Time will tell. That's the one I was looking for. Just, just, I appreciate you might have been trying to wrap up there, Paul. But let me, let me just go one more round here a little bit, and, and throw a question back your way. The Matildas did an amazing job this year of getting a supporter base, and they talked uh, a lot about their engagement with fans at the end of a game, win or lose. Mm. Everyone was on the field, was by the fence signing autographs, they really made a, a big point of connecting with anyone who came, and as a result, they feel that more people came and more people came. Are there lessons that, that and, you, and you're a big fan of you heading out to the to the, the women's cricket, you know, pretty much any sport that's going on right now, are there lessons that netball could learn from, from the, the new growth sports? Well, I think, go on, Jono. 
I think, yeah, being connected with fans is so important. The other thing the Matildas did so well was that documentary. I mean, I think that was huge in building the profile. Obviously, the performance on the field um, was crucial to garnering that support, but I think there was a groundswell already. So, yeah, I think Nepal Australia may, maybe just needs to be a little bit more creative as to how it builds that connection with fans. And I think it does come back a little bit to, you know, in the instance of the Matildas, Steve, it's within their living memory of a time where women's soccer was just a bit of a backwater and, you know, forgotten about and deliberately ignored. And so maybe it's in their mindset to think we've got to build the fan base from almost ground zero. Whereas I'm not suggesting there's any any arrogance or hubris on the part of individual netball players. And, you know, I can't say I've, I've been to a... Uh, have I been to a netball... I've been to an international netball game. I think I saw us win the... Something or other in Sydney ten years ago or something, but I certainly haven't been to any a netball game lower than the international games. But so I, I, what I'm saying is I'm not an expert in what they do do after the game in comparison to the scenario there you described with the Matildas, Steve. But um, to your point, Steve, anything you do around fan engagement is a good thing, and um, maybe netball needs to step that up. I mean, you can understand them not being that that engaged in that sort of stuff for the last you know almost three months, given they haven't been paid, weren't being paid. Although I should say that CPA does backdate the payments to effectively when the last um, CPA expired. So they will be made good. Thankfully. Indeed. Netball, eh? What an interesting little uh, bucket of worms we've got there at the moment. Hopefully they pull themselves out of it. Uh, moving on to the shootout now, where we cover a, f- a few more topics in slightly shorter fashion. Uh, I want to start with streaming. Um, this is not a new thing. So, of course, we had free-to-air TV, which is the only way of watching TV, and then Foxtel came along slash cable TV elsewhere. Uh, and then, you know, enough bandwidth was created in the uh, inf- inf- internet infrastructure that you could stream viewership of sports, and, of course, that's become corporatized. Well, now, cr- the Cricket World Cup has been lost to Australian screens for the next four years. Can you believe it? Now, I naively did not think it possible. It just didn't sound possible that an Australian match in a World Cup was not protected by anti-siphoning, which, by the way, that legislation was just recently extended for a further three years. But Amazon's streaming service Prime has jolted me to reality. Um, Them having secured the Australian rights to the Men's and Women's World Cup, the 2020 World Cups, the Champions Trophy and the World Test Championship Final with no attached free-to-air provider anywhere to be seen. Jeff Bezos, this is un-Australian. Smart play, though, by Amazon. Yeah, And, I mean, it probably follows on from the Test doco. I mean, that was an Amazon special Uh, and that did really well. So that was kind of their first foray or play into, into cricket. So you can see that... Um, maybe the the germination of the idea came from there, um, but yeah, it's it's a bit of a worry, isn't it? I saw something mm. on the one of the ABC sites uh, where someone said, "So this means that I can't watch or, or listen to live cricket on ABC." And I think they replied and said, "ABC always broadcasting cricket, but they can't in mm. this one." So yeah, it's uh, I, I reckon it's a good move by Amazon. Inevitable, inevitable reality of the way the world's going, Steve. Or um, are you- yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I just wait and see, though. I thought there was still a protection over Australian matches, so I, I wonder if there's a, a sub-deal to If they're played in Australia or New Zealand, that's oh. the sub-protection. If they're played overseas, anywhere else, sorry, New Zealand, I know you're overseas, they played anywhere else in the next Cricket World Cup, next 50-over Cricket World Cup, duly noted, I hope, is in South Africa, Namibia. Not in Australia. Namibia, in, yeah. yeah, precisely. So, yeah, we will not be able to watch... Australia play in the next Cricket World Cup unless we have a um, Amazon Prime subscription. As it stands now, look, I presume 
there is still the opportunity for them to go to Foxtel, go to Channel 7, whoever, and say, hey, guys, for a small, you know, large oh. sum of money, we're prepared what, to on-sell. What if it's free? What if they show that game for free? I tell you, look, Prime's an interesting oh. case uh, compared to Netflix and Disney+. Plus. Prime's interesting because it's it's also a bit of a Trojan horse for uh, for the, the shopping on Amazon.com.au. And so I think, you know, for, for I don't know what it is at the moment, like seven bucks a month, um, yeah, you get a, a pretty good streaming network and you get a... Um, Free delivery. Advantage delivery terms, that's right. So it's, uh, I think this is a Free fantastic delivery. move for them. Fantastic move well, by Amazon, yeah. It's also fantastic because the last stats I read, 2.1 million Aussies watched the World Cup final. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you translate that um, into numbers for Amazon. But it depends on whether those 2.1 stick, right? It's the old, you put it behind that paywall, do sure. you actually get a drop off in, in viewership? And I'd strongly suggest you, you would. You certainly would. Especially in an, in an adverse time zone. Um, yep. If there's day games, you're probably not going to see a lot of them. But, have I got that the wrong way around? But no, you, you're spot on. But can we just be clear? The paywall is really different for streamers than it was for Foxtel. For mm-hmm. Foxtel, you were up for sixty bucks a month. For you know, if you if you're starting to play with with Prime for ten bucks a month, and you know you can get a whole tournament for ten bucks, I think you're in a different level here. And a whole lot of people like watching it on their phone and their iPad now. Anyway, my TV has Prime, you know, built into it, so I can still watch it that way if I prefer. I think this is a, a different situation to, um, you know, the, the the controversies about behind the, the paywall at Foxtel yeah, or behind the paywall of B Sky B in in the UK. As you guys know, I'm a luddo and I don't have any of these subscription services. I do have my my Fox Sports, but um, so is it the sort of thing you can sign up to for six weeks? Yep. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay. Month yep. more month to month, presumably. Definitely. I think yep. they rely on the fact that people forget to cancel. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Like a yep. lot of financial products. <laughs> <laughs> Fee for no service. I have a six-month interest for a new credit card. Yeah. Oh, that was nine months ago. Oh, damn. Yeah, I mean, you look at the case of football, right? I mean, this is the ultimate example, I think, in Australia of fragmentation. So you've got A-League on Paramount+. Plus. You need to have Stan for the European Champions League. Of course, the Premier League is on Optus Sports. Uh, BN Sports, or BIN, I think it is. They have the Bundesliga and Serie A. And then SBS On Demand will give you Argentina, Brazil, and the World Cup qualifiers. And indeed, apparently, the 2026 Men's World Cup qualifiers. And then KO offers ESPN FC. So I've lost count of how many there are, but that's half a dozen. So if you are a really dedicated football fan in this country, that's quite a bit of a layout to mm. lay, yeah, well, you know, financial layout to um, to be across your, your favourite sport. With that being said, uh, there is hope in the wings. In the wings? In the wings. Because uh, sports fans, you'd be surprised to know, uh, are sick of all this, of having to, for, as we've just given <laughs> the example there, of have going to a half dozen different wells, as it were, to to, to, to sate their hunger for sports of all sorts. So um, according to Deloitte's annual media and entertainment consumer insights research, quote, consumers want a single place to manage their subscriptions, with 73% of our respondents saying they just want to be able to watch everything from one spot. No kid, I say. That's in a quote. No kid. Did any any of you guys get interviewed for for this research? No. no. You did, Rochi? No, no, no? I, I didn't. Steve, did you? Can I just point out? This is the sort of research that I I reckon if you dig, not that far, you'll find that someone or I don't know. Let's guess 
some provider that brings channels uh, together into one package yeah. akin to, I don't know, off the top of my head, an organization like Foxtel, mm-hmm. you know, says, hey, you should come and subscribe in one place where you can get ESPN, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, BN Sports, oh, and then they try and do a deal for the other the other things as well. I thought you were going to suggest that um, an organization like uh, Fox Sports might be funding the research or encouraging the research, but you're not going that far? I think he oh, was. Was he? Yeah, okay. I think I did, but I oh, was right, trying okay. to, Maybe I, I tried so hard to not... To pretend that you, you weren't. Yeah. Yeah, see, I didn't pick that up. Yeah, yeah sorry yeah, good. about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, but then not right. picking it up, I sort of drew attention to it. Yeah, anyway. So I wonder how we get into that pool of respondents for next year's research. I don't know. Do they offer wine and bickies <laughs> for the research? hundred bucks? <laughs> Sit around the board table there at... I'm there. Is it 200 George, the EY in Sydney? I'm there for yeah, it, Rich. Yeah, it's a fancy gold colour building. Yep. I'll give him a call. Mr. Corbett, I think his name was, who was quoted, uh, is it Roger, Peter? Yeah. I'll, I'll give him a call on Monday and see what he's up to. Some more research, this time from EY, and this time out of the UK, but potentially of relevance in the Australian market. We'll, we'll find out over the next few minutes. It's research into sports that have declined in popularity across the demographics, or I suppose more particularly to comparison of engagement in sport, be it participation or, or watching, uh, of the general adult population versus or compared to Gen Z, the 18 to 24-year-olds. So the EY Sports Engagement Index compares levels of engagement and participation in over 150 sports across demographics and identifies trends, as I say, in the UK. So, you know, take it with a bit of a grain of salt here. But um, So overall adult population, there's a top 10 list here. Overall adult population, top 10 sports engagement. So again, this is participation and viewing. Jono, chuck a few sports at me. Football, rugby, uh-huh. rugby league, uh-huh. golf, tennis. Uh-huh. Steve-O? Yeah, yeah, I think they're the usual spots. I'll just suck up to you for a second and add Formula One. Yeah, um, correct. Very, very um, uh, good get there, John. Uh, sorry, Riles. Pickleball. Uh, haven't got quite got to pickleball yet. Um, <laughs> so, this is for, again, this is for all adults. So, football was indeed number one, fairly predictably. F1 was number two. Um, running was number three, which, okay. A union coming in at number four, cricket, cycling, tennis, we're up to seven now, boxing, number eight, rugby league did sneak in at number nine, and a snooker. Uh, mm. I thought you might have gone with snooker there, guys, that came in at number ten. Right, so mm. how does that compare to the Gen Z list? 18 to 24 years old. 18 to 24 years old. UK, what sits in their top ten? There's a few newies and there's a few in the same. I'll give you that hint. There's is, a few. Is gaming a sport? Oh, good get. Esports, e-sports. is number eight. Yep. Number eight. Maybe that's a better question. What's what's new in their list? What's new? Um, There's one obvious one. M- MMA. Uh, it's in the f- it's in the next five rolls. I'll come to that list uh, in a second, okay. unless you pick up some of the other ones. Um, it's a US sport that's rather popular with the kiddies, with the young folk in Australia. It's quite popular with the younger generation in Baseball. Australia. No? No, no, no. That's, that's for oldies. No. Eh, bas- basketball. Oh, basketball. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 fair enough. Yep. That wasn't so on the other list. Oh, interesting. No, correct. So if the Gen Z is it's football number one as well. F1 drops to number three. Boxing shoots up from number eight to number two. Badminton is at number five. Hmm. What? So something a bit culturally different there. I'm not too sure. Cycling is also number six. Cricket drops a couple of spots. Running drops way down to number nine. Tennis rounds out the top ten. So um, the analysis suggests that cricket, tennis and rugby are among the sports facing challenges when it comes to, quote-unquote, capturing the imaginations of young adults. 
I'd say there's something interesting about boxing, you know, because boxing in the UK the last the last uh, couple of years has been interesting. They've had Tyson Fury, who's been you know legitimate and a, a legitimate champion and a really big draw all by himself. But after that, you in the UK is I, I think I'm right about this. Their biggest pay per view boxing events have been YouTubers. So you know okay. Logan Paul, KSI. You know, and then they, as only the UK can do, a bunch of sort of local celebrities that they, you know. Love Island contestants. Mm, yeah. Pretty much. Pretty I'm a celebrity, much. get me out of here and onto the, into the boxing ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So you picked up on MMA there, guys. The other sort of next five are weightlifting, dancing, table tennis, and volleyball. They're the next, they're the top, they're the 10 to 15. Sports of the future. Well, you heard it here first. Just quickly on tennis, this is a bit more of a watch this space, but uh, it's also a you heard it here first kind of thing because we, you know, we, we love breaking someone else's news here on, on <laughs> the, the delayed podcast that is for and against. Um, so tennis has seen the writing, and I think it's Arabic scripts, in fact, on the wall. Having seen the Saudis revolutionise the staid old world of golf, now being self-aware enough to realise that deep down tennis is also a staid old sport, the Grand Slam tournaments are apparently looking to link with some of the other prestigious global tournaments to form something of a, my words here, Premier League of Tennis. Now, Riles, you're a big tennis fan from way back when. I know you've still got the Stefan Edberg uh, uh, jersey, T-shirt, whatever it is, polo, tennis top. Are you across this? Have you heard I, about it? Have you thought about it? What do you make of it? I am. And funnily enough, the, the stuff I've read about it, it implied it was a bit like the Formula One circuit where they're, yeah, they're going to... Did see that comparison. I'm not sure that works really, but um, anyway, go on. Oh no, I think there's something in it. I mean, really, what they're trying to do is say that uh, you know they've got their four Grand Slam events. They want to lift that up to ten or twelve events, and and you know if those become uh, Grand Slam like, then they go for two weeks each. They're carnival type atmospheres, uh, and they can do stuff like the Australian Open has more attendees than any other tournament in the world, including the you know Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can find a way to elevate half a dozen other tournaments around the world in the way that Formula One does, where you bid to host and you bid to get <laughs> that, I think there's 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 some there's something in it. Mm. I think there's also uh, are they trying to avoid disruption? I mean, Tennessee is ripe for disruption, yep. as you said. Yep. Um, the Saudis could be throwing money at it. There's already talk about a big prestigious event in Saudi Arabia in January which would then be a rival to the Australian Open. So I think it's a bit of a defensive ploy by um, a number of the Grand Slams. Craig uh, Tiley is is in the thick of things with this. And, um, yeah, as you say, watch this space because it it wouldn't take a lot for them to sign up a few of the top players. And then where is the sport? So like golf, let me tell you – sorry, let me get this straight. I'm going to be playing less, so I'm probably going to be injury-free for longer. I'm going to feel better. I'm not going to travel as much. And you're going to pay me stacks more money? Mm. What is not the like about that? Rambo. I'll miss miss Wimbledon. Yeah. How much money? Yeah, I can miss Wimbledon. Well, well, under this model, it might be, you know, get to play Wimbledon as well, but we'll see. Yeah, exactly. I I think there's a bit bit of a difference here, though, right? It's – if you go, this is where tennis, tennis's greatest defense is actually the parlor state that it's in. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not buying Djokovic or Nadal and Federer just retired, who are they going to buy that people are going to want to, you know, spend all that money to watch? The, the next level down is not name brand stuff. Mm. 
and that's I said that's a, there's not as many but so that's different to golf. I mean, there's a, a a wider range of people within golf who are name people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, tennis yeah. you've got that sort of top five, Peak. maybe top ten. Whereas in golf you've got um, a much broader variety from different countries. I think what you're saying is it's a bit more random as to who wins a major tournament. Well, a little bit. I think it makes a bit of a difference that you can you end up with uh, a couple of dozen personalities who go into come into form who can compete. Whereas uh, tennis has had the same three guys win ninety percent of mm. the last eighty Grand Slams. It's yep. it's nuts. Well, apparently there'll be an announcement at some stage during the Australian Open in January 2024. I'll believe it when I see it. But of course, if that does happen, you'll hear it first, or maybe second or third, <laughs> here on For and Against. And now on to red card, yellow card, our favourite part of the show where, uh, yes, we poke fun. Uh, I need to pick a different phrase there. Where we drag back into the limelight the misdeeds of sporting types. Needn't be a sports person necessarily, but something in the sporting related to the sporting arena. In other words, mine's not actually a sports person, but we'll come to that. Uh, and award a red card or a yellow card, depending on how egregious the uh, crime, for want of a better word, is. Steve-O, start us off. What do you got? Look, I want to nominate Joey Barton. Now, some of you may or may not recall Joey Barton playing for, uh, I don't know, the 15 Cs in the lesser teams of the English Premier League for, uh, I don't know, uh, much of the 90s. He was one of those try-hard hmm. midfielders, a bit tough, a bit rough, you know. Man of the people kind of bloke. Played. Yeah, well, something like that. Hmm. Anyway, he's uh, been a bit outspoken last week in an interview with, the, the redoubtable Piers, Mor- Piers Morgan, who always, always, somehow that guy always brings out the best in people, I think. And uh, <laughs> and Joey has uh, decided that women are not fit to commentate on men's football. Mm-hmm. Now, in particular, he called out uh, the former England and Arsenal footballer, Alex Scott. Now, you know... He made a couple of points. First of all, he said that the men's game has been played for 200 years, the women's game only 40, so it's a completely different game. Second, he said that, you know, she has no idea how the game's played. Now, I'll just point out that Alex has won eight league titles, uh, the Champions League, two community shields. Um, it doesn't stop Joey. Mm. Joey, it's, it's a different speed. It's a different game. They have no right to, and anyone who disagrees with me, they're eunuchs. So Unic did he use that word? He did. <laughs> wow, Unic, that's an interesting wow. accusation level of people. Yeah. Well Daisy Pierce says hello, Joey. Um, <laughs> so arguably the best Channel Seven commentator we've got. So what's that a yellow card, Steve O? Well what's I, I think it's it, you know, it's it's a yellow and then Joey tried to headbutt us, so then he gets red. Head, he tried to what, sorry? He'd try and headbutt us. He was one of that sort of that oh, sort of yeah. Roy Keen ilk, but only half the quality. Cr- Anyway, crazy gang. The, the same with yeah. That's that's the kind of play Joey. Crazy Barton gang was. kind of guy. Yeah. I saw an interview with Fashion who, who was part of that Wimbledon side. He's a complete nutcase. Is he absolute lunatic? Anyway, that's a side story. Jono, you, red card, yellow card. And I'm stick, sticking with football. Cristiano Ronaldo, CR7. Like he's been nominated by us oh. a number of times mm. over the years. This time he's facing a few legal difficulties. Not for the first time. Not for the first time, but he's um, being sued in a class action lawsuit 
for his promotion of the cryptocurrency exchange Binance. Mm. So the um, the applicants in the class action are seeking damages uh, exceeding one billion dollars. One billion dollars. Did you say one? Billion. I did indeed. So what had happened was back in November 2022, Binance announced its first CR7 collection of NFTs. Remember the NFTs? (laughs) (laughs) How good were they? Did you ever buy one, Richie? Hell no. (laughs) Riles, did you ever get an NFT? You probably did. No, no, I didn't. No. No. Well, they're virtual assets, as we know, that can be bought and sold, but which have no real world form of their own. They only exist digitally. Bubble. So anyway, CR7 is Ronaldo's initials and shirt number. Um, when he announced the partnership, he told would-be investors, we are going to change the NFT game and take football to the next level. Well, the cheapest NFT from the collection was priced at $77 when it went on sale in November 22. Mm. When I last looked, it's now priced at $1. Having probably gone through the $1,000 mark at some stage, no doubt. No, no doubt. Anyway, uh, the claimants alleged that Ronaldo's promotion of Binance led to a 500% increase in searches... Uh, it led the firm to invest in what they call unregistered securities. And so, yeah, he's facing some very serious legal difficulties. I assume it's in Cristiano. the US. It is, yes, it's been filed it's in, in the US. US. Yes, indeed. Naturally, if you're going to sue for that sort of stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. I, I presume that's just one of those claims. They're well, looking for a, a settlement of a few hundred mil at some stage. You know those pesky class action lawyers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dear, dear. No doubt. Why, but, why confine yourself to class action, Jono? Yeah. Well, yellow card... Pending. I think a pending okay. yellow. We'll see. Obviously. So are you giving are you giving the yellow card to Cristiano or to the the, yeah, the yeah. numbskulls that that bought his NFT? Fair comment, Ross. Yeah, fair comment. Fair but at this stage, to Cristiano. Uh, look, this one's a bit old, but it's worth regurgitating for mine, given it's a classic case of an other half needlessly inserting themselves into the public discourse by issuing an emotional rejoinder to criticism of their partner. You know that we've had these on before, right? Uh, So in this case, it's Mrs. Hamish McLennan. Uh, Now, at the time of this particular incident, hubby Hamish was in the firing line. And, of course, it was during the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup. And, of course, we know that uh, he left the helm of Rugby Australia. However, not before wife Lucinda took to Instagram to defend him. And I'm indebted here to the CBD column in the uh, old Fairfax media here. So in response to a comment on a Wallabies post about Jones's departure which uh, questioned why McLennan remained in the job. One person explained the chairman must stay on because there is no better person for the impossible job. You try. That account appeared to belong to one Lucinda McLennan, which just happened to be the name of Hamish's wife, and the account's bio just happened to contain a link to a real estate listing for the South Coast estate the McLennans were trying to sell at the time, plus an account for Mrs McLennan's now-defunct lifestyle website. It's good to have a lifestyle website when you, you know... Don't roll your eyes, Jono. So, look, Lucinda wasn't finished, claiming that Jones had a, quote, work ethic like no other and nothing but the best intentions. Hasn't that aged well? He came into a dire situation and at the very least improved the winning spirit of the Wallabies. The coach doesn't make the players. Good luck with whatever you decide to do next, Eddie. I hope you enjoy the Portuguese chicken. Uh, That was a reference to a top-secret dinner at the McLennan's place in Lavender Bay, in the nice suburb in Sydney. That was where they tried to woo Eddie away. Don't listen to the boos and haters. It's so wrong, she continued. I could go on and on and on. And then she had a crack at a few people who came back to her. You know, What's so funny? Knowledge is power. You have none, she wrote in response to one commenter. So, um, yeah, that's um, that's Lucinda McLennan, Mrs. Hamish McLennan. Got a bit of the... Uh, rushing to the defence of the, hubby. Bit of the Candace Warners about it, ah, isn't it? Yes, I knew there was an obvious example. Mm. Yeah. 
Look, I'm just going to go yellow for Lucinda there. I think she gentle know. yellow. I mean, she's you know sticking up for the totally for hubby. Totally unnecessary. But, but I think yeah. that's that's outrageous, Paul. I mean, she's just sticking up for a man. Um, no, I don't support that at all. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, I mean, I think she's just stuck her neck out and made, made herself look a bit of a bit of a goose, really. Um, but anyway, that's that's her prerogative, all power to her, and didn't really save uh, same Hamish as bacon anyway. Well, with that very light-coloured yellow, I think we, we win 2-1 there, Jono. <laughs> we outvote Riles. Um, As always. Indeed. Good little pact we've got up here in Sydney. Yes, with that uh, red card, yellow card coming to a conclusion, that also brings an end to another exciting episode of For and Against. So it leaves me with a simple task to say goodbye to Stephen Riley. See you, Paul. See you, Simon. See you, oh, everyone. He's, he's gone back. To, he, I was going to say, you know, he's, he, he really built serious. up. He, he got yeah. going and then he's come back to that serious yeah, mode. Yeah, yeah. Right. See, see you, Jonah. Well, it was outvoted one to two. I mean, what do you oh, want to finish on a happy he's spot? He's got I some mean, thin skin, doesn't he? Yeah. How do we turn him I'll see you next year, Richie. Oh, next year. Good point. <gasps> yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, what see a great year. Happy New Year, Rich. And that was a great 50 as well. Little, yeah, well you know, done. 50th show on the Diamond Turner Media Network. Well golf, done, us. Golf clap. Thank you very much. And it's goodbye from me, Paul Roach. Thanks for your company for this show and indeed this year in 2023. We'll do it all again next fortnight and next year. In the meantime, you can stay in touch with us via the socials at For and Against on Twitter and also on Insta, for.and.against. But until next time, until next year, it is bye for now. <laughs>